Welcome to Uncontained, episode 75. I'm your host, Aaron Static and Render, and we finally made it to that three-quarter century mark. 75 shows, can you believe it? And uh, I've enjoyed putting out every single one of them, getting to talk to some awesome people, discover what drives them, and uh, some tricks and tools that they may have used to uh, get to where they are. And, you know, it's really cool hearing about others who are creating things, and that's what helps me continue to create these shows, and I hope that you guys are finding some great value in these as well, as long as just being damn entertaining. You know, hearing a good story told by a storyteller is always fun to me anyway, and I hope you guys are enjoying it. This week on the show, I have the people from Dry Campus Joint Productions. On the show, it's Gabriel Gray, Henry Parizic, and Taylor Elizabeth Clayman. They're all part of the Dry Campus Joint Production Company. Uh, Henry is the COO and Gabriel is the CEO. They have a movie that's going into production like now. They're starting to shoot it and just recently put out a CD by Gabriel Gray. Uh, you can find it on Bandcamp. The CD is called Once Upon a Dirt Patch, near a creek behind a high V in Sioux City. And for those of you who aren't from Iowa, Hy-Vee is a grocery store chain, much like a Safeway, a Kroger's, or something like that. So, just so you know what the hell a Hy-Vee is, if you're not from the Midwest, enough of me rambling on about grocery stores. Let's get on with this interview with Taylor Elizabeth Clayman, Gabriel Gray, and Henry Parizic. But first, here's a listen to a track off Gabriel Gray's new album produced by Henry Parizic. This is James Dean off their new CD titled Once Upon a Dirt Patch Near a Creek Behind a Hive in Sioux City. Right here on Uncontained. Silverstein, 
don't even know what to say It gets better I don't even know who I am Welcome to Uncontained, and how are you guys doing today? Good. Good, Good. All right. All three of you are together along. There's also one more involved in Dry Campus. First of all, what is Dry Campus? Then we'll talk about how you got started and all the projects you have going on with it. Yeah, yeah. So so Dry Campus uh, started this past December. Henry and I were kind of talking about releasing some some music, some different compilation things, things mostly that he had produced throughout the state of Iowa over the course of 2016. We realized we needed a label to do that under, so we just kind of came up with a, a joke name, Dry Campus. Uh, and went with that and we released that and since then we've expanded and we've tried to bring on people to do more recording and we started a film project so now we've actually registered Dry Campus Joint Productions as an LLC that that focuses mostly on film and and music projects and and really tries to kind of invest in local talent. One of the first things that we did to make it more than just music was we did a podcast called, uh, we called it Free Coffee um, and we basically talked to IOC artists about kind of what they're doing and we've that's been kind of on hold because we all got busy with other projects, but we hope when after the film is done shooting and we can get back to that. All right, great. So you said uh, Dry Campus was kind of a joke name, so you guys aren't all like straight edge students. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, the, 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 the University of Iowa, which is is a dry campus, um, and and a lot of the people, especially early on that we were working with, uh, were all Iowa students. Okay. Now, University of Iowa is a dry campus, but yet somehow it still manages to constantly rank up like the top five like party schools. Oh yeah, yes. we were number two last year. Yeah, uh, really trying a new goal. You know, got got goals. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys have to do to get to number one? <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not quite in in that scene. Um, I I feel like if we were able to as a as a real group, if we all came together and and took over the streets again, like we did in 2015 when our football team was doing well. Yeah, uh, only we were involved in that tailgating. <laughs> yeah, I think we could probably push the tailgating even more. I also don't understand how you rank that. Like yeah. who goes around to every college is like that's the best one. I, I think That's it goes with how many people get alcohol poisoning, how many people get arrested for DUIs. Um, okay. You know, I think that plays a role in the statistics. I, I don't know. I could go on and on about this, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's getting a whole lot easier. The the easier it is to get fake IDs now. They're basically on the street corners at this point, so it, it makes uh, drinking very easy for people who are really invested in doing that. <laughs> 
Fair enough, fair enough. So enough about underage drinking. We don't condone <laughs> that. Not uncontained. But uh, sure, whatever. Do what you want, but don't tell your mom. No, we don't condone that. <laughs> but, okay, you started Dry Campus Joint Production Company. And uh, Henry, you're the CCO. And uh, Gabriel, you are the CEO of Dry Campus. What do those roles involve for you? Really, we started, uh, we, we registered the company and started that process in the midst of making the album that we just released. Uh, and so we kind of, just the roles that we were playing that album really informed the roles that we wanted to handle with the company. And, and when the movie started, I, I'm producing it. So when it comes to like paperwork and organization kind of things, that's really been like what I've handled for the company so far. And when it's come for like to, to getting into different projects, that's really been Henry's kind of area. So it really made a natural split at the time even though we both work in creative fields yeah it's it's i think it only worked out this way because we were doing the movie we we're prepping for the movie and in the middle of gabriel's album at the time because writing and thinking about the film and what it was going to be i didn't want to ever worry about the money or getting the locations i just wanted to focus on making sure that we had the best story so gabriel who was already invested in the script and wanted to help out in some capacity was like i can handle all that so he came on as producer and he's doing, he's a great producer and he, I, liking it so far. And like that also happened with the album where even though it was under his name, I did all the producing for it and I wanted to focus on making sure that we had a product that we were proud of. And obviously he was too, but I didn't want to focus on how are we going to get people to listen to this? How are we going to make sure that what we're doing is heard? I just wanted to focus on that we liked what we were doing at the time okay and that that's important you don't want to like focus on promoting something that you think is a piece of crap just to get it out there and right. it's a lot easier to promote something you believe in you know <laughs> yeah yeah because I, I think people can definitely tell when you make something that you don't like and i think that's the difference there because if you like what you like people should or probably will get more on board with it You'll, yeah, you'll at least find somebody to go along with it, you know? It, yeah. it may be more of a niche market, but there'll be people that are truly into what you're into. And that can be just as good, if not better sometimes, than just having a widespread fan base. Yeah, exactly. So you got the CD, which is Once Upon a Dirt Patch, near a creek behind a hy in Sioux City. All right, so where'd that name come from? So uh, actually, the the whole album kind of centers around uh, like the feelings that I have about having been in Sioux City. That that's where I'm from. I was born there, and I, I I lived there my whole life until moving here to Iowa City. And and the album really started after uh, like this relationship that I was in for three years ended, and and it started in Sioux City. And so the album was really focused on that. Uh, and and I wrote this kind of like solo performance piece about the relationship itself, which had the same title. Uh, okay. And that piece kind of played with music and stuff, and so I took a lot of the sounds out of that and, and decided that I wanted to make this album with it and approached Henry. Um, and so it, it probably wasn't until about halfway into the recording process that we decided to go with that title. For a little while, we were playing with What's in Alaska, um, which is the title of this Raymond Carver short story that had like a really big effect on me uh, during the time of the relationship, but then we decided to go with the original uh, title of the piece that kind of inspired the, the album itself. Okay. You know, normally when I listen to a band, since I was a radio station DJ for seven years, I can normally, like, 
pinpoint influences or like okay this band sounds a lot like this band or something but if your 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 style was kind of diverse i couldn't quite pinpoint one specific band or one specific genre to pinpoint you to so i'm curious to know who are your influences um well actually henry you should start as uh, producing talk about like where you get a lot of that because you you have some really um, interesting thoughts on on that so the whole concept behind how we approach this album is when we started, we had nothing. When I produce an album for someone, I don't like having people bring in lyrics or pre-written songs. I like starting from scratch because okay. I think you can kind of make a full, not necessarily has to be a concept album, but you can make a co- more coherent piece of music if you are if you and the artist make it all together in the same room the, the entire time. And... Gabriel and I, although this isn't the first time we've made music together, even though there are a lot of similar influences on us, the big ones, the important ones are, I think, kind of vastly different. He comes from more of like Foo Fighter influence, like heavy, big guitars. And my favorite songwriter person is uh, Jack Antonoff, who's uh, who does Bleachers and he's made records with Lord, okay. Taylor Swift. And it's really this 80s inspired, like synth, heavy, pop, anthemic music and that's what i kind of make on my own and that's what i try to bring to people is finding ways to make things not necessarily poppy i think pop a lot of the time gets a bad rap like it there's bad connotations associated with the word pop but my goal is trying to bring good connotations with that and then combine okay. it with the big heavy guitars of gabrin and I think we kind of found a happy medium in between those sounds that kind of creates a thing that not not necessarily the newest or most original sound, but you can't pinpoint down a specific style. Okay. All right, cool. I understand that. And being in more of a diverse aspect and whoever's working on it kind of brings their um, certain style to the sandbox and y'all kind of build together. Yeah. Gotcha. Gabriel, your your influence was more like the Foo Fighters and more rock. Then that's where that aspect of it came from, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I kind of grew up listening to to things like the Foo Fighters and and uh, actually this a lot of these like weird kind of folksy people. Uh, not weird, but like Ani DeFranco kind of kind of more more down to earth things. And then um, I spent a really long portion of time being more or less obsessed with Soul Coughing and then Mike Doty's solo career and so there's these kind of like jazzy hip-hop influences um that is actually a lot more like when i started the album i was thinking that it would be more of an experimental kind of sounding thing and okay. it got more grounded via henry's production and i think that that really served the album well as a whole and, and makes it more of like a more of an approachable thing and i think a lot of like the concept behind the album and the the themes that we were pushing helped with that Okay, I did get, like, uh, with the rapping and and uh, Henry's influence into it, I'm thinking, I kind of got, in a couple of songs, got, like, a gym class heroes vibe. That's interesting. I can kind of see that, actually, especially on the song James Dean when Chris comes yes, in. Yes, that one, James Dean. That 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 song actually sticks out in, in a really interesting way and has kind of a weird story, because I was supposed to be at the studio to help start writing what was going to be the, the, the track that would fit in, in James Dean's slot. And, and I was actually just really hung over uh, because the, the night before I was supposed to be in the studio, me and my, my girlfriend, not at the time, but we, we drank a bunch of moonshine. And so I ended up at the studio an hour late, <laughs> came in, 
and Henry had 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 this whole like guitar thing and like all these sounds that he was playing with while he was waiting for me to be not late. Mm -hmm. And and that that that, that's what turned into James Dean. He wrote the song. Most of the of James Dean came out in that forty minutes of extra time that I had. (laughs) Right on moonshine, man. That's never good for trying to keep a schedule. I'll tell you that. No, don't ever. I I wish I could say it was my first time that I drank half a bottle of moonshine with a friend in one night. And I hope that I can say it's my last. But you never know. Never say never, my friend, even if it's something like that. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. How long were you in the studio working on this album since, well, you came in with nothing written? Yeah, so about four months. The the way it kind of started is I I walked over. Henry and I lived next door to each other. And I walked into his house one day, and, and he was trying to find a guitar tone and he was playing just a couple of notes, and I kind of fell in love with that little riff and asked if I could use it for that performance piece. And then a week later, I, 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 I did the piece. And then that I think that same week, we, we sat up in the studio uh, and, and started there. And then about four months later is when the album came out. Uh, yeah, and another thing with the album is I used to, because the recording studio is at my house, and it used to be in this little office space that I have downstairs. And I really wasn't happy with the way we were getting sounds out of there. So one day I was just like, I want to move all of the studio up into my bedroom and I want to rearrange everything in my bedroom. Cause I love the concept of having a studio in someone's bedroom. Cause there's something so, I don't think innocent is necessarily the right word, but there's something about it that I think it brings out a lot. Just being surrounded by like, I have all the posters from when I was like 15 of like star and all my star Wars stuff is in my room. And I, that really affected, I think how this album came to be. So we moved all of it up one day on it's like some Sunday and we recorded the first song that whole okay. day. And I hung out with you guys. I was supposed to be there to help you move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the sounds that you hear, like the, the rain that you hear at the beginning of the album and through the whole first half are, are actual ambient sounds that we got just from our house. So like it, it was raining the night that we recorded the, the first track, the Aria Honey Please. And that's, that's why there's rain there. That rain is like, that was actually happening right outside the roof. Mm-hmm. And we, we were recorded on the roof of the building more than once um, during the point during the process of making the album. Well, that's kind of cool, incorporating your environment into it. And I can see how like the environment you record into can also help shape the finished sound of, uh, of the CD. All right, so you guys have the CD. You are also going into production on a movie, correct? Yep. Yeah. All right, so Taylor, you're in this movie as well. I want to bring you into the conversation. I am assistant directing under Henry. Okay. Did you also help write this movie? No, that was all Henry. Uh, so Henry, no better person to tell us what it's about than you. Uh, what is the premise of this movie? So um, the movie, it's called They Said to Get Better. And what it's about is between two storylines set four years apart. Um, it's about a group of friends they get back together after not having seen each other for all this time at the death or at the funeral of one of their friends. And they kind of realize when they get back together that maybe they don't work as friends and maybe they never did, but they kind of realize that that's okay. And it's probably for the better. Okay. So in a story of how they realize that they're not friends or maybe not meant to be friends. Yeah. Okay. So it's a story of them coming to decide, Hey, maybe we're better off not friends. Yeah, and it, the movie never overtly states that, but between seeing them when they're 18 and when they're 22, you kind of see 
the contrast between how they act then and how they act now. And you can kind of see where tensions come from when they're younger and that they've actually paid off and kind of torn these people apart when they get older. It, it's actually, if you don't mind me making a comment, it, it's, it's almost like a coming of age story where you don't see the moment where the characters come of age. You get to see them before when they're still these kind of innocent kids and you get to see them after when they've grown into separate adults okay. and you watch them realize that they've had this transition yeah. rather than watching the transition itself. So other than the conclusion, like it kind of reminds me of, uh, did you ever see the movie up a Creek? No, actually. No, it, they end up coming together at the end. That's the thing, but it kind of starts out. It has Dak Shepard in it. Is it without a paddle? That mo- is, that's is that- what it is. I'm sorry. Yeah. I fucked okay. up the I, name. Yeah. <laughs> like up a creek without a paddle. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. I'm sorry. I was way off. Um, no, you're good. <laughs> the one thing that's burned into my mind is those two girls up in that tree house when they reveal they're like. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the actually the the two big influences that were on this script were The Breakfast Club and um if you've ever seen the movie Don't Think Twice it's a movie by Mike Birbiglia came out last year. I have not seen that movie. I was a fan I liked his first movie like uh the like Sleepwalk with Me. Yeah, that movie's yeah. great. Oh. Yeah, that that was a good movie. He actually has like the sleep disorder that's in that movie. Yeah. And what was really cool, like this happened after that. I heard him on the Tim Ferriss show and he was talking about ways he deals with his sleep disorder and he actually mentioned this podcast called Sleep With Me, uh, which is a guy that I had on my podcast, like just like a month before that. So it's a it's a podcast to help you fall asleep uh, by telling stories. They're just the right amount of exciting to grab your attention to make you not think about falling asleep, but just the right amount of boring to put you to sleep. So I guess that sorry, I got a little off on a Mike Babiglia sleep with me tangent, but uh Continue on. I'm sorry. No, but those were basically the two big influences on the film and writing them. It's kind of interesting because the movie, I don't think necessarily parallels either of those movies anyway, but watching those two, I was able to find a common ground with things that were going on in my own life and kind of mesh them all into the script. Okay. All right. And uh, what process are you in right now? What stage of production? So today was our second day of rehearsals, um, and we start shooting next Wednesday, actually. All right, and are you are you acting in it personally, or are all three of you acting in it? None of us no, are, actually. For a while there, I thought I was going to, but then at when we started doing auditions, I kind of looked at it, and I realized I don't want to be the guy that wrote, directed, did the music, and acted in my thing. I kind of wanted to get more voices involved so that the movie could be better through just different filters. Sometimes you do see people try to take the control from all aspects of it. It can be great or disastrous because without other influences to it too, you know, you can kind of get lost without somebody else to pull you back in. Yeah. All right, Taylor, I want to bring you into the conversation. Yeah. So I'm assistant directing this under Henry, but year for me has been really fruitful in a way that I never expected. I went to Argentina last July and was there till December. And then when I got back, I got a lot more involved in the theater department that I had in my previous two years at the university. And um, 
I was able to direct this play in Spanish last May called La Redención by Ana Marino. Okay. And um, now this summer, like, so I didn't even know these guys before this, this semester. I had a whole nother life that happened, but the, like this year has been rejuvenating because I met um, Gabrin through my class. And so we were in a performing autobiography class together. And then um, through Gabrin, I met Henry and Colleen, Gabrin's girlfriend, not at the time. And then now it's like this really weird but wonderful intimate thing where we just get to hang out and make music and make things and not hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm assistant directing, but uh, other projects I've got going on are I'm involved in a film that I don't think is titled yet, but I've been calling Project Esther. And then um, I, my play is being produced at the University of Iowa this fall, which is really exciting um, as like, I came to the university for writing, and so I, I dropped my English major a while back because I loved the theater department more, and I wanted to get the Spanish um, major more influenced in my life. And so to have this playwriting experience that I did not, like I started playwriting in this department. I had never thought about it before. To get to the point where in my senior year, my work is a gallery at the university is really rewarding and I have a, a great director who's like pushing me and pushing out questions that I, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's like almost to the point where you, you don't think you would ever make it this far. And then you just, just keeps being nice. And you're like, when's life going to crash? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I understand. You just keep on going getting that forward momentum going and uh, keep with it. And you were actually in a short film uh, done by one of my previous guests on Uncontained, correct? Uh, Bill Albert? Yeah, I was in uh, The Other Side. Henry actually acted in that, too. He was um, a, a walk-on character towards the end. Um, but yeah, uh, we are currently, according to Bill, in the semi-finalist round. We'll find out that next week. But I um, mainly just try and get involved with like a lot of projects with local artists because like I'm, I'm dubbing the film or trying to dub the film. I translated it for Bill and I'm gathering artists and kind of taking the lead in that because, I mean, he doesn't speak Spanish. So I'm finding the Spanish speakers and uh, we'll be probably there for most of the editing process to make sure that the words actually go with what we're saying. Yeah, so are you going to try to, like, you're just going to dub over and do, like, a Spanish dub, right? I was under the impression when I first pitched the idea to him that we were going to re-record it, but no, yeah. we're going to just do audio. And I have the script translated. I'm just waiting for that to be kind of uh, A-OK'd by a native Spanish speaker that I know. All right, cool. So I'm glad you got some things going on. And uh, have you had any directing experience before? Is this your first time directing as assistant director in this upcoming film? It is my first time directing film. Um, my first direction, directing experience was um, like spring of 2016. I directed a 10-minute play for the University of Iowa 10-minute play festival. And um, as I mentioned before, this past May, I co-directed a Spanish play, 
where it was all native speakers and we worked with them over the course of six months because they were all like full-time employees of stuff so we only got a couple hours um, a day until the end where we were like really booking it so this will be my third directing experience but first under film all right cool good to uh, expand your repertoire and uh, you know experiences get as much uh, get as much experience as possible so um, guys what else do you have anything else going on with um, dry campus nothing active right now we have uh, three music projects booked out we're doing an e we have I think we're four actually oh you're right yeah no we have four we have we have two kind of rapper well, one guy who definitely raps, one guy who likes to do rapping and, and singer-songwriting, and they're mm -hmm. both coming in uh, for EPs. Yep. Uh, we want to... Henry Taylor and I are going to be writing an album together, and then Henry's also going to be doing his his solo project, and I'll be co-producing on that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's kind of on the dock for, for film for Dry Campus, and then just kind of focusing on, on this movie right now is our well, only active project. We did project. The, the music video, which I didn't get to send you. Or I don't think I sent you. No, I did not see a music video. Yeah. So uh, Gabriel released a single uh, before he fully released the album, um, and uh, to kind of create hype for that, we we made a music video for the day of release. And, okay. Uh, yeah, that is on YouTube and and it's on YouTube and, and the Dry Campus Joint. Dry and Campus that was Joint for the third song on the record, uh, Willoughby Point slash Don't Go Looking for Lucky Pennies. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I'll have to uh, check that out after uh, after the show here. So, um, so you got some more bands, more CDs coming up, and stuff like that. So you guys have started basically this from scratch with the two of you and building out, expanding up to four people. What would be some advice that you would like to give somebody getting started out or to take their uh, career maybe to the next step? Uh, either in in starting your own production company or making your own film music, etc. You guys have your hands in so many pots right now. It, uh, just pick one if you have any advice that you'd like to share. Um, I have an idea, and so if you guys have more after this, yeah. I think the difference between where we are as people now and where we were even in just November is that we just decided not to sit on these ideas. I, I remember um, the day that we got the domain for Dry Campus, Gabriel and I were sitting around like, wouldn't it be cool if we were able to put this music out on a website? And I don't remember which one of us said it, but one of us said, why don't we just get a website and do it? And that's kind of the mentality we've had the entire time. Like, I, w I have the script that I want to make. And I'm someone who wants to, who will be pursuing screenwriting as a career. And like, I have other scripts that I've written that I haven't, that have been a little more bigger that I wouldn't have been able to make. But with this one, I had it. And I was like, I don't really want to try and sell this one. And Gabriel, I think, was like, well, why don't we just do it this summer? Or like, yeah, it's just a matter of doing it. Yeah, and kind of jumping off that, 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 that would be my main advice for everyone, too, is to just do – if you want to do something, just do it. I mean, there's I, – I didn't know how to produce films or how to find funding before starting the film. I just went to the library and read books. When we started uh, Dry Campus and we wanted the, the drycampusjoint.com website to be a thing, I didn't know how to code or how to run a server, and so I just read about how to do that, and now we're running the server out of our house. Um, 
And there's just really, if you don't do anything or you wait for an opportunity to come, they'll give you a chance to do it. Yeah. You're just wasting time and you shouldn't waste time because you're going to die. Has been my thought. Yeah. <laughs> do, do things right now. And another thing with the music side of it, Gabe and I have both been in bands where in the past we've gone to bigger professional recording studios and have paid upwards of thousands of dollars to make our records and I can speak for me. I don't know if I speak for Gabriel. I haven't always been happy with that, how the, the final product was. And we spent a lot of money to do that. And so anyone that's interested in music or music production, if you have any sort of computer, you can get recording software and you can use crappy instruments and learn how to make them sound well. The guitar that I use on all of my music it's an $80 guitar that I've just figured out how to make sound. It's one of the worst well, guitars I've ever seen yeah, in but, my life. Yeah, <laughs> but it sounds it, good. Yeah, but you can make sound. Really, you don't need money to do anything as long as you're not scared of the amount of work consuming massive parts of your life. Yeah. If you're, as long as you're willing to sacrifice huge amounts of time, you can get by without the money side of things. I guess from my perspective, since I kind of just stumbled into their world, like... Dry Campus is their baby, and I'm just kind of leaning in and saying, can I care for it a yeah. little? Can, um, But I, uh, a lot of where I am now is because of this year, because I decided, all right, I'm going to study in a different country. I'm just going to act like I know how to learn things in a different language, and then I'm going to do a couple internships, one of which I didn't realize would be an erotic film company, and then I came back and I found them and I just, I think allowing myself to bleed not only into the friendships, but into the work I was doing and into the different categories and not being, telling myself, oh, I'm only like a fiction writer. I'm only a, a play writer. I like that we're allowed to do as many things as we give ourselves. And with them, they just kind of rejuvenated all of that that was inside of me and so so yeah the the, <laughs> the Nike phrase just do it I suppose works incredibly well here fair enough fair enough and did you just casually drop that you had an internship at an erotic film company <laughs> it was like it was like I had an internship at the grocery store on the street and you're like yeah I just had an internship at an erotic film company and yeah, uh, it, uh <laughs> did you know that going into it or was that just a surprise one day you're no, on the set it, like but you have to realize I was having most of my conversations in Spanish right so like this is Buenos Aires and even though people know English only it's usually the tourists that know English and a, a lot of people like I just had to learn how to understand things so I went to like a bunch of plays in Spanish I still didn't understand 60% of what was going on well I was taking a bachata class and one of my acquaintances was like hey I know a director I was like wonderful I'm looking for like things to be involved in I want to learn theater right I thought he was a theater director but <laughs> I get there and like he's talking about his writing and his directing and I'm thinking great look at me I've stumbled into this world of like directors and producers good job Taylor and then he gives me the movie um, Wings of Desire some old German film it actually is in German as I've learned so my sister and I tried or we tried watching it 
It's German, but since I got it from a guy in Argentina, it has Spanish subtitles. So here I am, like, <laughs> I'm listening to German words and trying to read Spanish, and this is not <laughs> working. But then when I, he, he asked me to come to one of their, like, filming days, I was like, sure, yeah. And I show up, and there's a... Uh, <laughs> I walk into the room, and there's a naked lady on silks, significantly high above the ground. And I'm like, oh, this this is erotic film. And then when I... Um, he had me translate uh, his his movie and do some dubbing for that and then uh, other translation and so like it wasn't like a it wasn't like porn or it wasn't it was okay so it wasn't like you showed up and they're like here's your ball gag <laughs> <laughs> no it was, it was interesting because I you learn a lot when you spend a time with people who only speak Spanish and then you are just kind of watching Argentine particular erotic film where it's this whole show was about tango, but it okay. was like stories in, it was, it's a whole story. It's <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering, like you just didn't know that it was an erotic film company and Nobody you just stumbled knows. into it. But this language barrier that kind of, that helps explain that. So, all right. All right. Okay, so what are you guys doing to promote yourself? Um, yeah, so some interesting things. We've tried a lot of just like, you're, you're, I mean, we do the standard things that you need to do, which is make Facebook posts, make Twitter posts. Um, on my own Twitter, I try to post regularly once a day, a couple times a day, and I don't want to constantly be posting about things I'm making because no one likes that. Yeah. Um, we also, we've tried here and there uh, paying to boost different kind of Facebook posts. Um, and you get a lot of clicks on that. Taylor got a lot of clicks on that by promoting yeah, India. Yeah, I should have not. I mean, I, the plan was, like, select 18 countries, and then 18 times countries will see you. Except I noticed that, like, 890 out of the 900 likes were from India. And it, I mean... You have to wonder whether that was worth having India marked. Like, you have a larger amount of people who can see it, but are they really caring for the work you do? We're learning. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's interesting because uh, I'm not someone who has Twitter or a lot of social media. I have Facebook, and I am one of those people that Gabriel mentioned that basically, if you were to look at my wall, it's, hey, look at this album I produced. Hey, here's a song. Hey, I acted in a play. Go see it. Hey, there's all these things. And a lot of the time... I've noticed people don't really like putting in work when you post on Facebook. Like, um, when I was still in my relationship about a, six months ago, I posted a like a Valentine's Day thing, and it got like way like five times the amount of likes that most of the things that we do music yeah. do. So it's hard because people are okay with just clicking like on something. They're not always okay clicking on a link and then sharing it from there. Mm -hmm. So so beyond that. Uh, uh, I mean, this is going to get more into specifically the album. We printed flyers, put them all over like town. I went to Sioux City with some. I flew out to Denver this past week, and I brought them with me, and I just kind of hand them to people, and I mentioned that kind of stuff to people. And obviously, we're putting on shows and playing at open mics, and that's really easy to do for an album. Uh, when it comes to like promoting the movie, that is a whole separate thing that's 
technically my job and that I'm not worrying about until later because we don't have a product yet. I think like a lot of promoting that I, I mean, other than the paying people, it's just, I, I do a lot of self-promoting and promoting for them by word of mouth and like okay. message people. So like when I saw a lot of people on Iowa film had you as a podcaster, that's why I messaged you when I was interested in like, um, having a conversation like this because I don't know. Didn't seem like it would hurt anybody. So <laughs> it's kind of the same as, as trying to get into the field and, and get into doing work. Is is really when it comes to promoting, you just have to do it. You yeah. just have to be okay talking to people about what you're doing and risking them thinking that you're an idiot or risking them not liking what you're what you're doing. And 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 a lot of that actually, when it comes to promotion, really does come to money. Yeah. Uh, so if you're okay with eaten mostly eggs and ramen for like a month in order to pay for some advertising it, yeah, it'll do go it. a lot better i just it's <laughs> funny i just realized in order to promote this i have to put it on my facebook page and say hey here's a podcast i was on to promote another thing i did and it's gonna <laughs> yeah. get even more <laughs> <laughs> yes you'll have to put it on your facebook page and uh i do hope i do hope it receives as many likes as the valentine's post you put up you guys do kind of a mix of promoting, like from Facebook to little word of mouth to guerrilla marketing as far as flyering and stuff like that. So what is it that when people finally do give in to your promotion and come check out something you produce, whether it's your CD, um, a play that you're doing, a movie that you've done, or when this movie gets done, what do you want them to take away from your performance and remember about your show? Um, well, I, I mean, I, I guess I can start when it, when it comes to the album, it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic because I, I hope that people connect with it, but I also hope that and and try to make the album an honest expression of of all the feelings and all of, of and this whole relationship and, and this kind of changing point in my life. But I, I hope that I made the album in such a way that that's all it is. Is it just says and explains how I am and who I am right now, and that it doesn't ask for connection from people and I hope people just see like the honesty in the work and and kind of realize with that and I'd rather promote empathy in anything that I do even in like the novel writing kind of stuff that I do on the side I I I hope that there's like a certain level of empathy rather than like an attempt to entertain or an attempt to be a spectacle yeah and kind of going off of that you kind of mentioned it I hope people can hear honesty in it like we made the record in my bedroom I, it's it wasn't made on like really really fancy speakers. It was made on the speakers that I listened to my albums on, and I hope people can hear that there's something genuine in that. And like we kind of left some mistakes in there, like garage the the software we we're using messed up on a note, and we ended up keeping it because of the way it liked. We didn't want to okay. sound necessarily perfect. We wanted to sound real and honest, and not like you said, not like we're trying to manufacture some sort of response from people we want people to hear it and be able to create their own response and own like thoughts on it i completely agree um with like the music aspect but as like for the play that i'm writing or the play that i wrote that will be this fall <laughs> when i started writing it it was in my or the concept came from my first playwriting class where i just casually said where he was like asking about 
just oh, just throw out ideas for plays. Like, what would you write a play about? And I said, what if we write a play about a prostitute? And um, so then he like laughed about it. He said, you write that play. So a year later, when I had him as a teacher again, I made it my goal to write a play about prostitution in the 80s. And, um, okay. and then it just it kept like changing. And so like now where the, the play is at, it, it is a lot about like honesty and the real relationships and like the suffocation of them. And I mean, not like the, all, all relationships, but of this particular relationship, the suffocation that the main character feels and then the reflection of who she is and how it changes her, the arc of her story and um so yeah i can i can understand like honesty but a lot like a lot of my a play is just thematically strong and so you might feel overwhelmed especially with um there being a like influence of sexual assault and uh, prostitution and in in stds and so yeah i it will feel almost too dramatic because the whole play is just sad and depressing but I think that it's important that people realize how just how much we romanticize life and so I'm stripping that away and I'm pouring it on their laps and I'm saying deal with it because this stuff happens and that's another thing with the honesty Gabriel it's funny Gabriel and I were actually talking about this the other day and like what we kind of want people to take from us and in the, have you ever seen the movie Midnight in Paris? Uh, yes, with Owen Wilson. Yeah, so there's um, Woody Allen in that movie. There's a uh, Ernest Hemingway's, in, and it's a, it's a very satirical portrayal of Ernest Hemingway, but he has a quote that's meant to make fun of Hemingway, but it's stuff like, I don't know the quote exactly, but it's like, if your stuff is true and honest, people will respond to it. And even though it's making fun of Hemingway, I think it's I think it's true. Yeah. People can definitely tell when somebody is being honest in their work. Even if it's a fictional thing, it's honest to what they're believing at that time. You can tell if that's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can tell if you're just, like, phoning it in and not really caring about it either. So, right. What would a highlight be so far of your career? Not necessarily the highlight, but a highlight. I, I mean... For me, it really is this album release. It's, yeah. it's not the first album that I put out. It's not the first project that I finished. Um, but it's it's the one that it hits closest to home. And and I've, I've talked about this right now, uh, or talked about this with Henry and different people. At, at this point in my life, I more than any other piece of art that I've worked on, I can point at the album and say, yeah, that describes exactly who I am as a person in this exact moment. And, and that's something that I haven't really been able to capture before. Mm-hmm. That's cool. What about uh, you, Taylor? Well, I think the the play is definitely a big step for my theatrical career. Um, I'm not like, yeah, I I don't know. There's just been so many different things happening to me recently that I I think the play is important for me moving forward. But an important experience that happened earlier this year was being able to direct a play. Like co- I went from being assistant director until she was like, wow, I'm going to make you co-director. And then I kind of took the lead on it, but I had to do it in another language. And so that just felt like a merging of worlds for me because like studying Spanish and and theater and then the writing certificate, I was thinking like, okay, what if these end up being two different paths? Like what if I go with Spanish and might end up just doing translation or go with theater and like not ever get that in my life? And then being able to direct in Spanish, 
reminded me that maybe I'll be able to translate or translate plays or direct plays in another language. And it, it felt very wholesome to the point in my career that I had gotten. All right. That's cool that you were able to incorporate both of your passions in there, Spanish and the theater. Mm-hmm. Henry, what about you? What is your highlight? Even though the album is under the name Gabriel Gray, it, 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 the album is my the highlight because it's Gabriel and I were at very similar spots in terms of our lives, in terms of like relationships and where we were. And so I honestly feel like even though it's all through Gabriel's narrative, I relate to everything. And when I hear that album, I don't always just hear the songs. I can hear every conversation that we had while making each song and like the frustrations and everything. And really, it's a weird thing because the album. Gabe and I were kind of talking about it. It works almost novelistically where it tells a story, but not necessarily in like a particular order. So in a way, the album for me is just a combination of everything that I do in the producing and being a musician and being a writer on top of that. And just as an artist, it kind of combined everything. And it's just this product that I can look at and be like, I have never been prouder of something. Very cool. All right. I have... One more question left for you guys, but before I get to the final question, where can people find you on the World Wide Web? Where is your corner of the internet? All right. Well, for a lot of the film and music stuff, the the simplest place to go to is just drycampusjoint.com. There's also a Dry Campus Joint Bandcamp page, and you can find my album under Gabriel Gray on Spotify. I also run a small blog under gabrengray.com, but it's not particularly active, and you usually just get weird essays about how I need to stop drinking so much caffeine. Yeah, Yeah, I don't, like I said earlier, I don't really have any social media outside of Facebook for just seeing, like, family things, so just Dry Campus, and he didn't mention it, but Dry Campus has an Instagram, it has a Twitter, it has a Mm -hmm. Facebook, and... um, the website itself, drycampusjointproductions.com, and then yeah, the album on Bandcamp, Gabriel Gray. I am a little bit different because while I get a little bit of my work on their page, I have um, an official artist page under the name Taylor Elizabeth Clayman on Facebook. I have Instagram and you know, Snapchat and the Facebook, but I'm pretty sure the Instagram link is on my artist page. Perfect. So get to get to her Facebook page. Her her artist page on Facebook, and you can link to the rest of her social media. Find her on the Instagrams, Twitters, and all that good stuff. All right. So I have one more question for you guys. You can uh, each answer it. This is the title question of the show. Taylor, Henry, Gabrin, how do you live uncontained? So for me, I think I was blessed in, in like having a family that – well, A, they told us we couldn't have, like, social media. So from the beginning, I've always been that kind of weird kid that didn't do anything. And I wrote a lot of my life. And my family were strangely okay with it. Um, they didn't contest when I came to the University of Iowa for writing. And so now that I'm able to, like, openly pursue my career um, within theater and Spanish, I think I live uncontained by just constantly keeping myself going and not allowing myself to be discouraged by the world kind of, breathing down my neck that everyone else is better. Um, I do this through bleeding into other categories, like not necessarily just being a fiction writer or a playwright or a director. I allow myself to sing and uh, to get involved in film 
and I try translating things even if I'm not the best translator yet. I do things unapologetically. Okay. So I'm going to say, I know Gabriel believes this as well, but he, he can expand upon it. The big thing, other than just what we were saying earlier, just by doing it, Gabriel and I both have the belief that we hate to sleep. We hate that humans <laughs> sleep. So sleep less and you can do more. <laughs> that, that, that's actually really solid. Yeah, no, I, I, I fully endorse sleeping as little as you can while remaining healthy and functional. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a key part because if you go too far, it is counterproductive. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was really lucky in that my, my parents were all over both. I come from a really broken, divorced up family, but both of my like biological parents were always really supportive of kind of being in the more artsy realm. My mom in particular, I think they, they would have done that if they would have uh, had safer sex and not made me by accident. So... <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I just, I'm really not, I really am not concerned about getting things or having people know me or having any more money than it takes to have an apartment and, and eat enough food to not die. So that I, I just, I'm not feeling those concerns really. All I really want to do is, is write and make music and kind of explore these things. And, and even if they go nowhere, that's just, I'm happiest while working in these fields. So that's really, that's all I try to do all the time is just do that work. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat where my parents, my dad is the best drummer that I've ever seen. Um, my mom is a photographer and she does all a bunch of these really cool art pieces. And they were always very encouraging to kind of a weird point where they wanted me to do like piano lessons at a certain point or guitar lessons when I first wanted to learn how to play instruments. But I always said no, cause I wanted to teach myself how to do everything. And from there huh. I taught myself, bass and from there I taught myself how to play guitar, how to play drums, how to play the piano, how to play a bunch of other instruments and then now taught myself how to do music production. I guess that, that might be how it is just not letting other people show me how to do them, just learning how to do them on my own. All right, perfect. Thank you for sharing that, guys. Thank you for coming on the show. I have one final thing for you to do to wrap this up i have all my guests sign off the show for me would you guys do me the honor of signing off the show today yeah we'd love to all right so i'm taylor elizabeth clayman i'm gabriel gray and i'm henry parisic and, and we, we live, live on contained and that does it for episode 75 of uncontained thank you for listening and thanks again to the whole dry campus crew Taylor, Gabrin, and Henry for joining me and talking about all their projects they have going on. If you want to find out more about what they're up to, you can go to drycampusjoint.com and also uh, check them out on the social medias. All their social media links are in the show notes, so make sure you hit them up. Let them know you heard them here on Uncontained. And if you enjoy the show, swing by uncontainedpod.com as well. While you're there, if you have some Amazon shopping to do, feel free to use those links and help support the show. Thank you for listening, and until next time, live uncontained.